Hey everyone, this is Johnny Martinez, pastor of Restoration Church, and welcome to our podcast. We hope this podcast inspires you and encourages you as you seek to follow Jesus. We hope you enjoy the sermon. Hey everyone, it's really good to be with you today. We're going to continue in our uh, I Am series. We are in part three. Uh, we are taking a look at Jesus's seven I am statements in the Gospel of John. Week one, we saw that Jesus was the bread of life. Week two, we saw that Jesus was the light of the world. Um, and uh, today we're going to be tackling uh, Jesus's third I am statement. And in this series, uh, we're going to see a few things. We're going to see Jesus reveal something about his character. We're going to see our need uh, that we have in our lives as people and how Jesus fulfills that need in our life. Uh, and so if you have your Bibles, turn to John chapter 10, John chapter 10, verse 7, verses 7 through 10. So John chapter 10, verses 7 through 10. Um, and as you're you're getting your Bible or your version app. And as you're turning there, I want to tell you of a time when I lived uh, in the state of Iowa as a college student. I only spent one semester there, but I lived there. I, I had the opportunity to play football at a small D3 school in Iowa after high school. Um, and so I went to Pella, Iowa. It was a really beautiful, beautiful town. It was tiny. Man, it was a culture shock to me. Uh, one, it was extremely, extremely cold. I've never dealt with temperatures like that. Temperatures freezing. I mean, it was super, super cold. Uh, that was the first culture shock. The second was the town was tiny. Like I could run through my town in like five to 10 minutes. Like it was a tiny, small town. It was beautiful. The people were great, but it was just a culture shock to me. And so I only stayed a semester there uh, in, in Iowa. Uh, and I remember, I remember uh, making that decision uh, in about October. November uh, that I was going to come back home. And so I just couldn't wait till the semester was over. Like I just couldn't wait. And so I just remember the, the, the week of, of finals. Uh, it was, I was like ready. I was ready to come home. Uh, my dad got a plane ticket to, to uh, come in and meet me on my last day of school uh, to help me drive back home. And so I remember the very last, the very last day of class um, I, I, I packed all of my bags. My truck was loaded with my mini fridge and everything. Like it was just packed. Uh, and i actually packed it the night before. So like I, my plan was to pack the night before, wake up in the morning, go take my test. After I take my test, hop in my truck and get out of there. Like I just wanted to get out of there. And, uh, and so that's what happened. I, I packed my bags. I took my test, turned in my paper, and I bolted to my truck, got on my truck, and started heading towards the airport where I was going to pick up my dad. It was about a 45-minute drive, and I just couldn't wait to pick him up and see him and just come back home. And as I'm driving there, I'm about halfway there. As I'm driving, I'm just coasting and, and, and really hitting the gas. And as I'm driving... I start to feel like my truck is sputtering. And I'm like, what is going 
on. And it was kind of at a, uh, like a, a hill. And so I was like, what is going on? Is, do I have too much stuff in my truck that it can't make it up this hill? I'm like, no, that's, that, that, can't, that can't be. And, and it kept on stu- uh, sputtering and sputtering and sputtering. And finally, like, it just stopped. Like, my truck completely stopped. And it stopped because I ran out of gas. I had no more gas. My gas tank was completely empty. I did not realize that I had no gas. I was just so ready to get out of there. I completely spaced it. And so what happens next? I Luckily, I had a, a little red gas can, gas tank. And so I grabbed that. It's freezing. Now, we're in December in Iowa. It's freezing. I grab the gas tank and I start sprinting. I kid you not. Sprinting up the hill because I know there's a gas station. I finally get gas and I am exhausted. I'm tired. And I ask somebody for a ride back to my truck. And so I'm like, okay, I'm ready to go. Let's do this. I put the gas in the gas tank. And I still can't get the truck started. My dad had to come from the airport. He took a cab or a taxi. I don't know what he did, but he finally got to where I was. My dad got there and he turned it on in the first try. I don't know what happened, but I know I ran out of gas. I don't know how he got it started, but the gas tank was completely empty. And I wish I could tell you that was the last time that happened to me, but it happens a lot. Like I just don't pay attention to the empty gas tank or I don't pay attention to the gauge. And you know what? I was thinking about it. Empty is never good. Empty is, is really never good. Uh, generally, and most of the time, empty is, is not good. And the truth is that many of us uh, deal and are dealing with a lot of emptiness in our lives. Uh, we're just dealing with uh, things that are way more serious than an empty gas tank. We're dealing with some emptiness in our lives. Many of us are dealing with maybe an empty place uh, at the table in our home. Maybe some of us are dealing with an empty bed in our house, an empty schedule uh, on our calendar. Maybe we feel like there's no purpose to our lives. And so we feel uh, empty when it comes to our purpose and our and the meaning for our lives. Maybe for some of us, uh, it's an empty uh, wedding ring finger. Maybe for some of us, um, it's an empty womb. For some of us, it might be an empty business, especially during these times. It might be an empty title by your name an empty bank account, uh, or maybe even just, and actually the most important thing is a spiritual emptiness in our lives. And some of us actually feel empty, and, uh, but don't even know why we feel empty. We're just, we just feel empty, and we're running on empty all the time. And so many of us are dealing with this emptiness in our lives. One study uh, that I was kind of reading through said that the answer to our emptiness is to love ourselves more. Uh, that, that's what the study said. But I, I'm like, I don't really, I don't really like that answer uh, because I know a lot of people who really love themselves, but yet still feel really empty. We're all dealing with some type of emptiness 
in our lives, or maybe we deal with it in seasons, but we've all been there. Uh, So what is the true answer to um, fulfill this emptiness in our lives? I know it's definitely not to simply love ourselves. So what is the answer to our emptiness? Uh, And we're going to find the answer to our emptiness in God's word. Uh, That's where we find the answer to uh, the the situations that we go through life in God's word. So if you have your Bibles again, John chapter 10, let me give you some brief context here. Uh, Jesus, just prior to this, uh, this moment here, he heals a a blind man. Uh, This man was born blind and he heals him. Um, And so this man uh, was brought to, he was summoned to the Pharisees, the religious leaders of the day. And the thing is that uh, Jesus, when he healed this blind man, he healed him on the Sabbath, which was a no-no. Like you shouldn't be working or doing anything like that on the Sabbath. It's a day of rest. And so he, this blind man goes to the Pharisees. They start questioning him, you know, who healed you? Who is this? Uh, Were you really blind? They even brought his parents in to question them. Uh, And and, and his parents were just like, hey, he's a grown man. You ask him, you ask him what happened. Uh, And so they really didn't believe him that he was actually blind. Uh, They wanted to um, uh, basically make him say that Jesus was a sinner. They interrogated him. Uh, They insulted him. They treated him harshly to the point that uh, these Pharisees, these religious leaders, actually kicked him out of the synagogue. The scripture tells us that they threw him out of the synagogue. Essentially, they threw him out of this Jewish community, and that was huge. And so what happens is that Jesus hears about this. He hears that that these Pharisees threw this um, formerly blind man out of the synagogue, and he goes and finds this man. Jesus searches for this man, and he finds him. And when he finds him, he has a conversation with this man, uh, and this, this man actually places his faith in Christ. And so as they're having this dialogue, Jesus in this man, uh, the Pharisees are there as well. And so they're listening in on the conversation. And so Jesus, then after addressing the man, after the man places faith in, in Jesus, he basically tells the Pharisees through a parable, through a story, he calls them thieves and robbers. And the text tells us that these Pharisees didn't really understand, uh, didn't comprehend the story. They, they, they didn't comprehend the parable that Jesus was talking about them. And so then Jesus again tells them this, and this is where we pick up uh, in John chapter 10, verse 7 through 10, Jesus addressing the Pharisees, the religious leaders of the day. He says this, he says, therefore, Jesus said again, very truly, I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who have come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep have not listened to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and will find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it in the full. That's what Jesus tells the Pharisees. 
So if you're taking notes this morning, here's kind of the big idea of this morning. And that's to fully live, you must fully enter. To fully live, you must fully enter. That's the big idea. If you're going to remember anything from this morning, remember that. I want to point out a few things in this passage. First, we see Jesus uh, introducing himself or claim, making a claim about who he is. He says, I am the gate. Uh, he says that in verse seven. Uh, and so this word for gate could actually be translated door. And most scholars believe that's a better translation. He says, I am the door. And so what this imagery here that's going on in this passage is of a shepherd, a shepherd who calls his sheep by name and then takes them out to the countryside. And a lot of the times what would happen is, especially during the summers, um, the sheep and the shepherd would spend the night in the countryside. He, he took them out to graze and they would spend the night and the shepherd would, uh, would take stones and make a circular uh, enclosure for the sheep. And on top of the stones, he would put thorns to, um, to protect the sheep from wild animals. Then um, the shepherd would actually sleep in the entrance of the sheep pen. He would lay across the entrance uh, of the sheep pen in order to protect the sheep, in order to keep the sheep in. Um, and so that is the imagery and the idea when Jesus says he is the door. Uh, he is the door. He again says this in verse nine. So he says it twice within the first couple of verses, meaning, man, this is very important. Anytime that scripture repeats itself, it's basically saying, hey, listen to this. This is very, very important. So Jesus says, I am the door. And he introduces himself to the Pharisees in that way. Uh, then he makes an invitation. He says, whoever enters, Whoever enters, again, if you notice uh, in these I am statements, Jesus always makes an invitation and it's always an invitation to everyone. It's an open invitation uh, to anyone who wants to come to Jesus and place their faith in him. So again, he says, whoever enters. And so Jesus is inviting anyone and everyone to fully enter into the sheep pen. He is inviting everyone to fully uh, uh, enter and to become one of his sheep. Uh, Jesus didn't say, uh, you know, you can, you can find salvation in me. You could be one of my sheep if you stay outside of the sheep pen or if you have one foot in and one foot uh, out. He says, no, you, you got to enter whoever enters through me to fully enter. And he says, those that fully enter through the door, through the gate will be saved. We'll, we'll find forgiveness. Saved from what? What are the sheep going to be saved from? What are the sheep that enter through the door, who fully enter through the door going to be saved from? They're going to be saved from all kinds of great dangers to their life. 
sin, the power of sin, the power of death, the power of Satan, the power of darkness, uh, God's wrath. They're gonna be saved from from God's wrath, from eternal damnation. They're gonna find eternal life, eternal salvation, forgiveness of their sins, reconciliation and restoration in their relationship with God. It's only the sheep who fully and truly enter into the uh, sheep pen through the one and only door, which is Jesus Christ. Uh, This passage has really made me consider the importance of doors. Doors are extremely important. And honestly, it's something you just kind of take for granted. But think about it. The door at your house, it's extremely important. Without the door, you can't come into your house or you're, 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 you know, you can't go outside of your house. The door is there also for protection, right? Uh, not only is it to enjoy your home and to have guests and, and, and bring people in and out, but it's also there for protection from, uh, from the elements, from wild animals, from people who might want to break in. Think about the door to a bank vault, right? Like if they didn't have any, there'd be no money in there. And so there is an importance and a necessity necessity uh, for doors, especially for our protection. Think about the door uh, for your car. Uh, If you don't have a door, you can't get into your car and enjoy it and drive it and and make use of it. Or think about if you didn't have a door to your car, um, just the elements uh, that that would kind of uh, really take a toll on you uh, if it's raining, if it's windy, if it's dusty. Or, Or think about this, what about an accident? What about some type of accident if you didn't have a door in your car? They protect you. They, they save you. When I was in high school, I was taking a trip up to Payson to go fish. Uh, and so as I was driving up the mountain, uh, I kid you not, I kid you not, I was going about 55 miles an hour. I still remember like it was yesterday. Uh, I was driving up, up north about 55 miles an hour. And out of the corner of my eye, I see something. I see something headed towards me. And right when I like get a good glimpse at him, he is literally right at my door. It's a full blown male elk. Like it's a bull and he just crashes into the side of the car. He crushes the door. He breaks the window. I'm telling you, it was the craziest and scariest thing ever. So I pull off to the side of the road. I look in my rear view mirror and the elk is on the floor. It stands up and it just takes off. And the whole side, I'm telling you, it was crazy. The whole side of the car was just smashed in the, you can't even open the door anymore. But I'm telling you, that day, that door saved me. And I was so glad that I entered through that door. They provide protection in the same way. Those who fully enter through the door, which is Jesus, will find salvation, will find protection. Then again, Jesus says, those who fully enter through me, not only will be saved and find protection, but they will come in and go out. What, what does that mean? What does it mean that the sheep would be able to come in and go out? What does that mean? Well, let's first talk about what it does not mean. It does not mean that a person can enter into salvation and exit salvation. 
Uh, we, we believe here at Restoration that the, t- the scriptures teach an eternal security, security, an assurance of salvation that you don't have the power to enter salvation and exit on your own. Uh, let me read you two scriptures uh, in the gospel of John that address this. In John chapter 10, verse 28, just a few verses uh, later, Jesus says this. He says, talking about the sheep, I give them eternal life and they shall never perish, never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. John chapter six, verse 37 through 40. All those the father gives me will come to me and whoever comes to me, I will never drive away for I have come down from heaven, not to do my will, but the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me. Check this out. That I, Jesus, shall lose none of all those he has given me. That Jesus will lose none. Eternal security, eternal salvation. But raise them up at the last day. For my father's will is that everyone who looks to the son and believes in him shall have eternal life. And I will raise them up at that last day. So it doesn't mean this passage about going in and coming out. It doesn't mean that one can enter into salvation and exit salvation. The image here is then one of freedom, one of liberty, one of security. Uh, And so in Jesus's day, uh, this phrase was used for a country or a town uh, who was at peace, that the people had the freedom and liberty to to roam around the city without fear, without worry. And and so that was the picture that a ruler had his city under control, that everything was at peace, that everything was fine, that when people would leave their homes, they they had nothing to fear. It was a freedom and it was a, a liberty, a security in the city and in the town. And that's the image that, that we have here, that, that believers have the freedom to live out their lives. I mean, think about this, you know, with the coronavirus and everything that we've uh, been dealing with here uh, in our country and around the world. Um, I mean, prior to this coronavirus, we uh, we were able to go out and we weren't on lockdown and, and we were able to freely go out to the store and freely go out to the restaurants and the coffee shop and, and freely be able to be with our families and friends and, and, and meet together at church. And we, were, we had this freedom and liberty to do whatever we wanted to do. Uh, but with this coronavirus now, it seems like a lot of people in our world are, are scared to leave their homes. There's this, there's this fear of uh, contracting this virus. And so now there's everyone's really cautious. Um, and, and so there's a restriction there. There's no longer that security that we once had. We, we no longer have that freedom that we once had. Um, and so that, that is just uh, what's going on in our world right now is a perfect example uh, of this passage that we do have the freedom then uh, spiritually as believers, although we don't have it physically right now, but we have it spiritually. We have a, a freedom and a liberty in 
God, because we are his sheep, God is watching over us. He's protecting us from all dangers. And so we have nothing to fear. We have nothing to worry. He is protecting us. He's caring for us. We can live in freedom and not in fear. Uh, we can live a life that, that enjoys God and our relationship with him. We are free to go out to the world and be the light and shine the light light and serve God. Uh, We have the freedom to come in uh, into the presence of God through prayer and worship and communion with God. We could come and go and and we have that freedom, that liberty uh, in Christ because we have fully entered into the sheepfold and nothing in life uh, can really cause uh, the sheep to fear because we know we have a good shepherd. Uh, Then Jesus says, those who fully enter not only have uh, salvation and forgiveness of sins, not only do they have this freedom, this true liberty, but they also have uh, a pasture. They could come in and go out and find pasture. So what what does it mean to find pasture? The image here is of provision, is of nourishment. Uh, that Jesus provides for our every need, that Jesus nourishes our soul, that Jesus provides for us uh, both spiritually and physically. So I just want to tell you something right here this morning. Look, there you might be in a situation right now where you are in need. Listen, if you have fully entered into the sheepfold, if you have en- fully entered in uh, through the door, which is Jesus, you will find pasture. Jesus will provide for you whatever you need, whether it's something uh, material, a a job, food, uh, financial assistance or whatever, he will provide. He knows what you need. Uh, Maybe it's something more spiritual. He's going to provide for you as well. He will provide, he will nourish. That's the type of God that we have. He fully supplies and he fully satisfies whatever need that we have in our life. That's what it means to find pasture. Then Jesus says in verse 10, not only are you saved, not only will you find freedom, not only will I provide for my sheep. Then he arrives at this in verse 10. He says, I have come that they may have life. What is life? To be born again, to be made new, to have a new birth, to have knowledge of God, saving knowledge of God. It means spiritual life. It means eternal life. It means that the the, the life of God has entered into the soul of man, eternal life. Then he goes one step forward. He says, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Not an empty life, a full life. The word full here has this idea of having beyond what is needed. Some translations say abundant life. It's living life to the full, life beyond your wildest dreams. It is living life in surplus, not in need, not an empty life. And that's the the type of life that God provides. That's the type of life that Jesus, the gate, the door provides when we fully enter through him. 
And so to fully live, we must fully enter. You see, Jesus is not a cheap God. He is not a God on a budget. Uh, He's a God who fully provides more and more and more and fully uh, provides for whatever we need and fully satisfies, gives us a full life, an overflowing life. Like we are basically like Dixie cups trying to take in the ocean. I mean, that's what it's like. We are just Dixie cups with Jesus pouring life into us. And we're just overflowing. We have a full life, a life of surplus, a life of more, life beyond our wildest dreams. It's a full life, not an empty life. The question this morning is this, have you fully entered? Have you fully entered through the door, which is Jesus Christ, into the sheep pen? If you haven't, if you would consider yourself a non-Christian, if you've never placed your faith in Christ, I urge you, I plead with you, enter through the door, enter through the gate, receive forgiveness of sins, receive salvation, uh, receive freedom like no other, receive provision from God, nourishment from God, receive a fullness of of life. It's an invitation. This passage today, this message today is an invitation by God through me to you to say, come on in. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter who you think you are. It doesn't matter if you think your sins are, are, are too much and they can't be covered. You see, Jesus, what I mentioned earlier, Jesus went after the man who was thrown out. You see, those who are thrown out, Jesus seeks out to bring them in. Maybe you've been rejected. Uh, Maybe you don't have anyone. Jesus seeks you out to make this invitation to you today to fully enter so that you can fully live. And maybe you are a believer and you've entered through the door uh, and you placed your faith in Christ, but maybe the worries of the world and, and the distractions, the shiny things of the world have distracted you from God. May today serve as a reminder that you have entered through the door, that you have received salvation, that you live in freedom and not in bondage or fear that God provides for his sheep that he will provide for you and that you don't live an empty life, but a full life. May it be a reminder. You see, those who fully enter, fully live. Those who fully enter, enjoy the full riches of a life in a relationship with God. What are those riches? They're certainly not material things but they're spiritual things, things of more importance, fullness of strength in your weakness, fullness of hope for your heart, fullness of love in your loneliness, fullness of joy in your journey, fullness of faith 
in the midst of your fears, fullness of purpose in your pain, fullness of mercy when you make mistakes and fullness of confidence in your crisis. It's a full life, the fullness of life for those who fully enter through the door. That's what Jesus offers. He came to give life and life abundantly and life fully. And I believe that the reason why God gives us more than what we need is so that we can help those in need. If you are in Christ and, and, and you have realized that you've received a surplus of the riches of God, it's not so that you can keep them or so they could overflow onto the ground. It's so that you can use them to help those in need. Because there are people who are living on empty all around us. Our friends, our family members, our neighbors, many people living in empty around us. And God wants to use the surplus of your life to help them enter through the door to help them find fullness of life. To fully live, you must fully enter. And so if you've never entered, I wanna encourage you right here, right now, today, to place your faith in Christ. That's what it means to fully enter, to place your faith in Jesus, to repent of your sin to repent of your past and to place your faith in Christ, that his work on the cross was good enough and sufficient enough to save you, that it was his work and not your own, to place your faith in him and trust in him. That is what it means to respond to God, to place our faith in God for eternal life, for a full, full life, to repent and believe, to repent and believe. And I'm telling you, your life will never be the same. Your life will never, ever be the same. No matter what happens in your life, man, if you have entered fully through that door, God is with you. God is not going to leave you. God is not going to forsake you. And as I want to take a few minutes to pray for you. And as I'm praying for you right where you are, uh, will you make a commitment, a decision to follow after God, to enter through the door, to place your faith in Christ, to repent of your sin, to turn away from that lifestyle and let God work in your life and through your life and receive the overflow, the surplus, this abundant life that you've been looking for. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, I wanna thank you for your word and, and thank you for Jesus, the door. The door that saves, the door that brings freedom, the door that provides and the door that brings abundant and full life. And God, I pray if there's anyone listening to this message right now that has not made a commitment to you and they're gonna make it today for the first time. God, that, that you would work in their heart, 
that you would help them repent of their sin and place their faith in you. God, would you give them that assurance of salvation as well? God, that they have eternal security once they walk in through that door, that they have eternal life, that they have been saved and redeemed and restored, God, that they have been made new, they have a new life, a new purpose, new dreams, new hope, new joy, new grace, new mercy, God. Of new and full life, not because anything that they have done, but it was because of what you did on the cross. God, I also pray for believers that remind them, God, of the commitment that they made. Remind them of how good you are, that you will provide, of the freedom they have, of the fullness of life and the riches that are available to them, God. We thank you. In your mighty name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening. Special thanks to those who give generously to this ministry. Without you, this ministry would not be possible. And if you feel led to give, please use the link below as we seek to make a difference in people's lives. Also, please make sure to share this podcast with your friends and your family so they can be encouraged and inspired as they seek Jesus. Again, thank you so much for listening.